Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Friday Night Smackdown post show for October 6th, 2023. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Friday evenings, wherever you may be. WWE's got Fastlane on Saturday night. Shaping up to be a decent show, man. I got to admit, the build hasn't really been all that bad. For a B-level pay-per-view from WWE, we got the potential for a couple of surprises. We got a mystery partner with Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar teaming up against Bobby Lashley and the Shree Profits. We got the potential for a Randy Orton return 
on Saturday night. Don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I hear Randy Orton is due to come back imminently. Where's he going to go? He can certainly go to Monday Night Raw. He could go to Friday Night SmackDown. He certainly has a nice plate of options if he wants to come back and be inserted into something big. The rumor is that Jade Cargill will be at Fastlane. Don't know what she's going to be doing, but the rumor is from Mike Johnson of PW Insider that Jade Cargill will be at Fastlane on Saturday night. She could start her new program on her new brand and be introduced to the WWE fans. Or she could get the NXT treatment. Sitting in the crowd, a la a takeover show, and wave to everybody and basically say, Hey, I'm Jade Cargill. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but here I am. Fastlane shaping up to be a decent show, man. SmackDown tonight. Did a decent job of building towards Fastlane. WWE has done a decent job in general of building towards Fastlane. But on SmackDown, it's basically more of the same. Every week I come on here and I end up repeating myself about Friday night. Friday night is the worst WWE show of the week. Not that it's a bad show. Not like it's Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard bad before he got ousted by the Wall Street Journal bad. But it's the worst WWE show right now out of the three. And yes, I'm even saying NXT is better than SmackDown. Just a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more to digest there that's substantial and fun. And I like the talent better on on Tuesday than I do on Friday. But man, oh man, is this show monotonous. Boring, bland, vanilla, uninspired, unenthusiastic, unexciting, uncharismatic. What was the word I used on Twitter to describe this show tonight, man? WWE seems to just have a feeling of unstimulating. The show is unstimulating. There's nothing on this show that stimulates me and piques my interest. It's it's all just, I I feel like WWE is just playing it really, really, really safe with Friday Night SmackDown. And And I don't know why. SmackDown used to be the land of, oh my God, used to get a banger or two on Friday night with all the great pro wrestling that used to happen on this show. They got a damn good roster over there. But what really matters on this show if there is no Roman Reigns? That's the problem. You got some people out there claiming that Roman being out doesn't really mean much of anything. He's an attraction. He's the biggest star in the company, and him being out makes the titles that much more important. Yeah, that's great. If they had another championship on Friday night to take the place of those championships Roman Reigns has... When he's not there, which right now they currently do not. So again, I ask, what does this show mean without Roman Reigns? What does this story, what do these endings, what do these shows 
mean without Roman Reigns? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then you got H. Bass in the chat. I don't believe J.D. had a wrestling up opinion, man. Why don't you go watch the indies, man? Go watch the indies to do what? Exactly, H. Bass. If I go watch the indies, what am I going to get? You think I'm going to get stories on the fucking indies? Type of fucking comment is that, H. Bass? Go watch the indies. JD's on TK's payroll. JD hates WWE. JD hates AEW. What the fuck is it? What is it? I don't get it. Can't win with anybody. I can't win with none of you fucking P. I can't win with nothing. Which is it? I'm sorry, SmackDown sucks. You want stimulating storylines? SmackDown's not the brand for you. I've said the opposite on Monday night where they do have stimulating stories. There's a lot to like about Monday Night Raw. Look at Drew McIntyre's heel turn. I'm enjoying that. I praised that since the beginning, man. I can't wait to see what Drew McIntyre does as a heel. Then you got the Jey Uso storyline over there. Nobody trusts him. Then you got the Ivar situation, basically coming out of nowhere, having bangers with the New Day. Then you got Imperium, and you got Gable, and you got the IC title. You got Bronson Reed climbing the ranks. Tommaso Ciampa climbing the ranks. DIYs back together. What exactly are you getting on SmackDown? What are you getting? A whole bunch of mishmash in the main event. It's like, Me waking up in the morning and going into the fucking freezer and pulling out some frozen fruit, throw it in the blender, blend it up with some fucking milk and yogurt and ice and whatever the fuck you put in your goddamn smoothie. Blend that shit up and boom. You got a nice little cold beverage for your breakfast. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Is that the only thing you're going to have for breakfast or you're going to add something to it? You're going to add some eggs, scrambled eggs, sunny side up eggs. Over easy, bacon, sausage, maybe a cup of coffee. Maybe you don't like coffee. Maybe you like tea. Maybe a croissant, a scone, maybe a buttered bagel. Maybe you don't prefer butter. Maybe you prefer cream cheese. The fuck are we doing? Bland. I'm sorry. You don't like it? Go watch somebody else. WWE trots out John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, and the Judgment Day is now aligned with the bloodline. LA Knight's out there with the baby faces. That's the only part I actually enjoyed because LA Knight fucking deserves all the star power he's getting. He deserves all the spotlight he's getting for busting his ass for the last fucking 20 years. What did the ending of the show accomplish? You have fucking geeks online. Oh my God, it's so amazing. Look at all the baby faces together on SmackDown. 
I'm sorry. It means nothing without Roman Reigns. Are we going into Fastlane? Are we going into Saudi? Are we going into War Games? Which is it? That's great if we're building towards War Games, but I'd like some fucking, I'd like something more here. Oh, man, John Cena gave J.D. McDonough an F5. Oh, great, man. That's that's fucking fantastic. He did sell a decent-looking Crossroads, though. I'll tell you that. He made that Crossroads look like the most devastating move in the entire fucking company. But again, what, 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 what was SmackDown? Uri, shut the fuck up, Uri, in the chat. Oh, SmackDown was good, JD, chill. No, it's, uh, it's my fucking show. I don't have to fucking chill or do anything that you say. The only thing that's chilled is my fucking beverage sitting in front of me. Nothing happened at the end of SmackDown. Don't know how this really adds to what we're getting at the pay-per-view on Saturday night. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso are wrestling Damian Priest and Finn Balor for the tag team championships. That alone doesn't make fucking sense because why are they going after the tag team titles? How about WWE tell us who's been traded for Jay Uso? How about that fucking narrative? Where did that go? Where did that get buried on the Vince McMahon's fucking 18 other things that he's trying to do? Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar, I just feel, is going to be turning heel very, very, very soon. Rey Mysterio is the United States champion. Tonight he wrestled Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley has not wrestled in a very, very long time, man. I don't even know when the last time we saw Bobby Lashley wrestle. I don't, it might be at WrestleMania, man. I think he might have won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It's the last time we saw him wrestle. It was a little bit after that. Pardon me. I don't. Remember, nothing matches like some of these geek historians on fucking social media. Bobby Lashley hasn't wrestled in a very long time. Tonight, he wrestled Rey Mysterio in a non-title match. No United States Championship on the line. And the story going into this is that Bobby Lashley, he wanted to see something out of the Street Profits. He saw that last week when they attacked the LWO, Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio, only for Dragon Lee to try and jump the barricade, which they did not really focus in on, but I saw him jumping over the barricade only to be stopped by security. Now they're down two against three. Clearly, Dragon Lee is not going to be the partner for Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. I thought it was because it just made sense seeing that he tried to jump the barricade last week to try and aid them in the beatdown. Dragon Lee is mixing up with Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. Now we got Cameron Grimes involved. I guess that's a good spot for him. I guess they didn't want another masked guy in the LWO. I guess that narrative didn't really work for them. So now we go into Fastlane and the partner is not Dragon Lee because Rey Mysterio said... Well, wait a minute. Let me go place a phone call and see if I could fucking make this thing three on three. Why would he need to place a phone call if Dragon Lee's in the fucking locker room with him? He's in the same building as him. Just go see him. Hey, yo, Dragon Lee, listen, brother. We're going to need another man. Are you in or are you in? None of that happened. But he said he was going to place a phone call. 
who exactly did he place a phone call to? The guy that WWE's had signed since June. That's who. A guy that WWE's had signed since June and they haven't used on TV yet because they're void of creativity. The SmackDown side. Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar will be teaming with Carlito on Saturday night. That's how they're going to introduce Carlito to the WWE universe. I don't hate it. Get the fucking guy on TV. I don't give a shit how you get him on TV, where you get him on TV, or how you get him on TV. Just get him on TV. I don't know how you got a guy like Carlito signed since June and he's been sitting around doing nothing. Just to show you where WWE's priorities lie. Clearly, it's not Carlito. That's going to happen on Saturday. LA Knight got some major rub from Paul Heyman. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso showed up on SmackDown. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows how. They just are welcome to a brand in which they don't have any access to. But who am I to call it out, man? What do I know? What do I know? And did Corey Graves make another CM Punk tease tonight on SmackDown? The going rumor is CM Punk will be at Survivor Series. I don't know if he will or will not be at Survivor Series, but my prediction is he will be at the Survivor Series and if not, the Royal Rumble. My prediction is he will be in the WWE. We're going to go over SmackDown tonight. I appreciate you guys joining me on this Friday night. I'm in no mood tonight, man. I'm in no mood. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Got 376 likes in here, man, with 1,700 people on a Friday night. Fuck is wrong with you? 1,000 likes. Easy, 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 easy. Minimum. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show as always. Anybody giving me a fucking problem in the chat, get them out. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the content on the channel. There is plenty of it. I will have more content going up in the morning tomorrow. We'll talk about CM Punk and the news that broke today in regards to CM Punk. I'll have stuff going up on the other channel as well. Make sure you guys go check out the second channel if you guys want some different type of content, man. That's all I'll say. Follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And make sure you guys check out my sponsor for tonight's show. We are sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com Code JD at checkout All you guys need to do is pay the $5 Shipping and handling Once again that's BlueChew.com Want to thank them For sponsoring the show And we got a great set of sponsors For the month of October man We'll be back with DraftKings We'll be back with The Ridge We will be With Factor as well. If you guys know anything about Factor, we'll be doing Factor as well. If you guys want some nice at-home, ready-made meals, 
Meal prep is a thing of the past with Factor, man. We're doing a big on Off The Scripts, and we got a great team of sponsors this month, man. I want to thank you guys for all the support right here on the podcast. I see, I, I see a lot of people. I see a lot of people mentioning Triple H. Triple H is going to show up on SmackDown next week. Apparently, it's the season premiere on Friday Night SmackDown, and I'm assuming the following week it will be the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. I never really got season premiere taglines that WWE's been doing for the last several years. There is no season premiere for pro wrestling. There is no off-season. There is no new season. It's one long 52 weeks a year. That's it. There's no in-betweens. There's no breaks. There's no seasons. WWE's got to feel important. That's why they do it, because it's the... Uh, unleashing of the new fall schedule for all of the major networks. And they have to feel like, oh, yeah, it's the season premiere of Friday Night SmackDown, pal. There is no season premiere. Just another excuse for them to load up the show with a bunch of nothing. Triple H is showing up next week. What is he going to say? Who the fuck knows? The last time, the last couple of times, actually, he was there. He didn't say much of anything. It was all, ah, oh, Triple H is on SmackDown. It'll be cool for me to put it in the title of the stream. Oh, yeah, Triple H. What the fuck's he going to say? Nothing. More than likely, he's got nothing to say. It's a new era in WWE. Sure thing. Sure thing. Where have we heard that one before? Then the other big thing people are talking about tonight before we get into the SmackDown review, The Undertaker. WWE added The Undertaker. On top of Cody Rhodes, John Cena... Paul Heyman, Becky Lynch, Asuka, and whoever else they're bringing down to the Performance Center, the fucking Undertaker, is going to be on NXT Tuesday. To do what? You're going to call out Shawn Michaels? What are we going what, 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 what to we get? We're going to get Shawn Michaels in The Undertaker Part 3? Fuck are we getting? The fuck is The Undertaker going to do or say on Tuesday night. You mean to tell me that WWE isn't fucking desperate for all eyes to be on them? Holy shit, man. People are eating this shit up online. And then when you tell everybody online on social media, if you even hint at WWE being desperate, oh man, you got Tony Khan's balls on your chin, pal. I'm sorry, how many fucking special surprises does Tony Khan have on Tuesday? First of all, they're on a night in which they don't want to be, number one. Number two, they never asked to be on Tuesday night. A lot of their ratings are going to be down by default because they're not on Wednesday. Because the pro wrestling fan is stupid. Half of the fucking audience probably thinks they're still on Wednesday. They will miss Tuesday's show, just like when WWE gets moved to FS1. It never comes close to any of the ratings that SmackDown pulls. SmackDown usually garners you two, three, two, four. When they move to FS1, they barely get a million. You mean to tell me that 1.3 million people don't get FS1? No, it's the fact that people don't remember. Half of the fucking audience is not going to remember. Everybody needs something to fucking cry about on social media. You people need this to fulfill your days because you have nothing going on. 
You have no life. You have no hobbies. You got no woman. You got no job. You live in your crusty fucking basement with your fucking cum-stained tissues playing Call of Duty all day. That's what you do. And argue about ratings online. Oh, where's JD talking about the ratings? I don't give a fuck about the ratings. NXT is going to beat AEW in the ratings. So what the fuck do I care about the ratings? Half of the fucking ratings are going to go missing because people don't know that they're on fucking Tuesday. And then all the fucking geeks and all the virgins, you're going to be crying victory because NXT beat. AEW in the ratings. You know what I'm going to be watching? I'm going to be watching my Atlanta Braves in the fucking NLDS. That's what I'm going to be watching. And fucking 20 million other people are going to be watching the fucking MLB playoffs. Fuck wrestling ratings. Who gives a shit when the World Series is on the line? Now, but continue to brag about NXT beating AEW in the ratings on a night in which they never really air. Yeah, that's going to really that's going to really drive the women to fucking drop their underwear and fucking oh my god. People are pathetic. WWE is pathetic. I want you guys to take a look at what Tony Khan has done on AEW Dynamite. Do you see anything different than what he normally does? No. He hasn't done anything out of the ordinary to sway you to watch Dynamite. You know what he did? He put on a good fucking show. He put on a great wrestling show. Look at the matches he's got on Tuesday night for you to indulge in. He didn't bring Mercedes. He's not bringing in Okada. He's not bringing in Osprey. He's not giving us Kenny versus Okada next week. He's not bringing in fucking anybody else that's a goddamn free agent. He's not hyping up a major announcement, a fucking breakthrough announcement. He's not hyping the fucking announcement of the century. He put on a great wrestling show. If you want to watch, watch. Tony Khan basically is sitting back playing it cool while the WWE now announces the fucking Undertaker for NXT on Tuesday night. For what? If I'm Tony Khan, I'm laughing at how fucking desperate and sheep they look. Yeah, we get it. We get it. You want to beat AEW. You know what AEW realizes? That they're not going to beat you, so they're not paying you any fucking attention. Ridiculous. And by the way, the Phillies will beat the Braves in four games. This is coming from a Braves fan. If there's one team I don't want to face, it's the Phillies. Simply because I fucking hate their fans. Their fans are fucking worse than New York fans. They're trash. And if the Braves go into Philly, tied 1-1, I'm afraid of the, the, the Braves losing the series. If the Braves don't beat Philly 2-zip in Atlanta, it may be uh, lights out for the Braves. Just throwing that out there. So if the Phillies end up beating the Braves, you heard it here first. So yeah, that's my rant. That's my rant on NXT. Keep crying about it. I, I can't wait for all the fucking virgins out there to say, oh, JD, he's going to lose sleep. He's going to lose sleep over this. <laughs> no, I'm going to lose sleep over the Braves losing to the Phillies, not fucking NXT beating AEW in the ratings. Ridiculous people. Friday Night SmackDown. 
We're gonna start off with LA Knight. Pretty standard shit. Nothing new here. WWE opening their shows in their typical formulaic way. Oh my god, it was a great show. What was uh, what was different? What was different about Friday Night SmackDown? LA Knight trots out there. We get an LA Knight promo. Yeah. LA Knight started off with, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. He got instantly cut off by Paul Heyman. He walked out with Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. You know, I like how Paul Heyman walks out with Jimmy Uso as if he's still in the bloodline. This was a Jimmy Uso who basically said, fuck the bloodline. There's one thing on SmackDown that I'm curious about and interested in. It's how Roman Reigns is going to react to Jimmy Uso being in the bloodline when he attacked Roman Reigns. Heyman says he has a reputation for spotting the next big thing in pro wrestling. Heyman said the next big megastar in this business, unfortunately, I have to admit, is L.A. Knights. Crowd responded with, yeah. And Heyman says he hates when the crowd does that, which is funny. So we got an L.A. Knight chant that broke out, and L.A. Knight received his flowers on this evening from Paul Heyman. That is a very huge accolade right there to be told by Paul Heyman himself that you are the next megastar in the world of pro wrestling. If I'm LA Knight, I'm not taking that lightly. That is probably the greatest compliment that one could receive at this point in his career. Heyman said the chance really pissed him off. He also said he was offering LA Knight his condolences because now the bloodline is going to have to do something about the attention LA Knight has now garnered. Knight asked Heyman if he was done running his mouth. Knight said it was a wise move to put respect on his name. And then he pulled out a receipt and says he didn't buy any of Heyman's bullshit. Jimmy Uso chimed in and Knight and said Knight won't make it to Fastlane. So also go and Jimmy got on the apron and John Cena's music hit. Cena ran down to the ring. Heyman talked to Uso and Sokoa about not stepping into the ring. Knight grabbed a microphone and said, while everyone is thinking about tomorrow night at Fastlane, he's thinking about tonight. He says, what about tonight? Let's do LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso tonight in the main event on SmackDown. And this, that's exactly what we got. It's exactly what we got. Very basic run-of-the-mill open. There, there was really no storyline progression here. Absolutely zero. The only thing of note here was that LA Knight was put over by Paul Heyman And the show needed a main event, which this segment provided for the end of the show. It's basically it. And then you got the image of John Cena and L.A. Knight standing together while the camera pans to their opponents, Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso. They will be wrestling at Fastlane. Great. Great. Wow, man. If you miss SmackDown, man, you miss nothing. The Judgment Day. They were on SmackDown. They're allowed to be on SmackDown. At least Finn Balor and Damian Priest are. I don't know about everybody else. When did everybody start to get hall passes to join them on SmackDown? Dominic Mysterio's carrying a North American championship for NXT who wrestles on Raw and then he waltzes onto SmackDown as if he owns the fucking joint. And they got Rhea Ripley, who's the champion of the women's division on Raw... And then J.D. McDonough, who's not even an official member of Judgment Day, but he's there anyway. Rhea Ripley says, 
Oh, I invited him. That's great. Rhea Ripley invited J.D. McDonough to SmackDown. So exactly who invited Rhea Ripley to SmackDown? No, I can't, I can't be asking these questions. The, these, are, the, these questions are too deep for the common wrestling geek out there. They don't have an answer. All they'll chime in with is, why are you complaining, man? Why am I complaining? Because it doesn't make fucking sense. That's why. That's why. If WWE can't make sense of this, how the fuck am I going to make sense of it? That'd be like the Braves going into fucking uh, game two against the Phillies on Sunday. They got Max Fried starting. Max Fried pitches five shutout innings with fucking nine Ks. And then we got the fucking manager pulling him out. Why? Why? It doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. But Finn Balor and Damian Priest belong on SmackDown because they're the fucking tag team champions, which they have not separated yet. So the Judgment Day is there. They're walking in the back. Damian Priest asks why J.D. McDonough is here. Rhea Ripley said, well, he's here because I asked him to be here. Great. Who asked you to be here? Priest accepted. He said, okay, I trust you. And then they walked through the parking lot. What were they doing on SmackDown? I don't know. Gee, we'll find out later, man. Asuka. She made her way to the ring. She's teaming with the android tonight, Charlotte Flair. Little observation that I have not made about Charlotte Flair, man. I can't stand her fucking theme music. She she has some of the worst theme music in WWE. I don't know if it's actually, like, bad. But, man, the sound of it... The sound of Charlotte's theme music is fucking ear cancer. Just makes my ears bleed. It's awful. Just an awful theme. And we got Asuka and Charlotte who are teaming up tonight. Asuka and Charlotte are going to be opponents tomorrow night at Fastlane against EO. Triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Can they coexist? I wonder who booked this fucking match. Can't wait for all the fucking geeks out there to tell me that this is a Triple H job. Sure thing. Sure thing. When Triple H ran black and gold, I want you to go back through the annals of time and come to me with a stat. How many times did Triple H do a can they coexist match in all the years he ran NXT? Guarantee you, you can't find more than two. And even then, if it's five in nine years, it's still a lot less than what we see on a bi-weekly basis with this show. Tag team match here with damage control. Bailey and the women's champion here, EO Sky. Match itself wasn't bad. Who's taking the pinfall here, man? Who's taking the pinfall here, man? Who's the good old punching bag for the women's division as of late? It's Bailey. It's Bailey. Why couldn't Oscar take the pin? Because Oscar's taking the pin tomorrow. That's why. You think Charlotte's going to lose? You think Charlotte, if she's not winning the championship tomorrow night, she's going to take the pinfall loss? Fuck no. You got to be out of your fucking mind, bro. You think Eo's losing the championship? Eo's not losing that championship yet. 
not in a triple threat match, even though the foundations for her to lose the championship would probably be best in a triple threat match. But if you take the title off of Io, what exactly does that accomplish? She's done nothing with the championship. And I feel like WWE's got a lot more story, whatever the fucking story may be here, story out of all these ladies. Oscar's taking the pinfall tomorrow, but tonight, can they coexist, pal? Charlotte and EO started the match. Sky went up for a early roll-up. She then posed. Charlotte came back with a tilt-a-world backbreaker. Oscar tagged in, chopped EO repeatedly. Oscar went for a kick. Sky avoided it, hit a roll-up on Oscar for a two. Sky reached for a tag. Bailey was yelling at the crowd. She was toying with the audience. Oscar took control over EO with a kick. So mistake number one. Looks like Bailey really isn't paying much attention to what EO is doing. She's basically been the downfall for EO several times in the past. Oscar ran at EO. Bailey shoved Sky out of the way, and Oscar hit Bailey. Oscar went up top, landed a double drop kick on Bailey and EO, and we go to commercial break. Bailey's in control after the break. She's working a chin lock. Bailey hit a vertical suplex for a two. EO tagged in, worked Oscar's arm. Sky worked some body scissors and then started to bite Oscar's face. Bailey tagged in. Oscar ran into a corner. Bailey knocked Charlotte off the apron and ran Oscar into the turnbuckle. EO tagged in. Face planted Oscar down. Oscar then starts to come back with a baby face comeback. She fires up, lands some elbows on EO. Oscar went for a cover, but Sky's shoulders were not down. Referee did not count, even though Oscar was on top of EO. Get your mind out of the gutter, geeks. Oscar got the hot tag to Charlotte. Bailey tagged in as well. So we got both Charlotte and Bailey going at it. Charlotte goes up top, hits a hot crossbody on Bailey. Charlotte landed some knife edge chops. EO comes in. Charlotte hit a fallaway slam on EO and followed that up with a neck breaker on Bailey and went for a big clothesline, but Bailey cut her off. Charlotte went for the clothesline again and landed it this time. Goes for recovering, gets a near fall. So Oscar tags back in and put Bailey on the top rope. Charlotte then is standing on the apron. Charlotte tagged Oscar, so now Charlotte's the legal woman. And both Oscar and Charlotte are setting up in the corner for a superplex on Oscar. Or uh, on Bailey, or Asuka and Charlotte. I'm sorry, Asuka cannot attempt the superplex on herself. It's Asuka and Charlotte attempting a superplex on Bailey. EO comes over and we get the very, very creative Tower of Doom powerbomb suplex spot that we usually see in these multi-person matches that WWE puts on there. Wow, such creativity there. All four women were down. Bailey kicked Charlotte. Charlotte kicked at Bailey. EO ran in, hit a meteora on Charlotte. Oscar held Bailey. Bailey moved, and Charlotte kicked Oscar off the apron. Uh oh. There's the story, man. I guess they couldn't coexist, pal. Bailey looking for figure four. She looks down at Charlotte. Woo! All of a sudden, taunting Charlotte. Sky hit the apron. Which Bailey obviously was knocked off balance. She floats right into a natural selection by Charlotte, which looked awful. 
One, two, three, and Charlotte pins Bailey. What else did you expect? Bailey's the punching bag. She's the safest one to pin here. EO can't lose because she's the champion. Charlotte can't be pinned because she's Charlotte, and she will demand otherwise. And Asuka can't beat Asuka tonight and then tomorrow, so we'll go Bailey tonight and then Asuka tomorrow. EO's going to retain the title tomorrow. Don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to get there, but I think EO retains the title because, let's be real, she's done nothing with the championship. Nothing. So if you take it off her right now, what was the point of even putting the title on her? Decent match. Really nothing mattered. The women's division is uh, as dull as a fucking uh, carton of vanilla ice cream. Nothing. The bloodline. They were walking backstage and entered a locker room where they found the Judgment Day sitting in their locker room. Uh Uh-oh. The Judgment Day walked in. Ah, you guys are in the wrong locker room. And Finn Balor said, no, we're not. We are right where we belong, man. So Jimmy asked if they were in the wrong place. Balor said no. And that was basically the start of what was a little talk between Rhea Ripley and Paul Heyman. Ripley told everyone to leave because she needs to have a chat with Paul Heyman. Everyone left, but Priest and Sokoa lingered in the background, staring at each other. Rhea Ripley told Priest, it's all right. Don't worry, I got this. He ain't going to do nothing to me. Paul Heyman said, Solo, you're free to go. Nothing's going to happen here. So Priest left, Solo left. Heyman told Rhea Ripley, now that we're alone, what do you want to talk about? Rhea Ripley looked at Heyman and said, let's get down to business. Let's talk. What do they want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Nobody knows what the fuck they want to talk about because they didn't really go into the conversation. So where's the story? Am I supposed to interpret this myself? The bloodline and the judgment day want to do business or, or the judgment day wants to do business with the bloodline. Paul Heyman says, listen, I can't do business even though I'd like to, and it's a good idea, but I got to ask Roman Reigns. At no point did Paul Heyman and Rhea Ripley on camera talk about what they discussed. At no point did WWE even allude to what the Judgment Day and the Bloodline discussed. Now, we're supposed to interpret that and come up with our own explanation. Now, is there a chance that we may get an explanation? Sure. Maybe when Roman Reigns returns next week. But the explanation could have served a greater purpose for this week. What did they talk about? They have to talk about more than just joining forces. Why? Why? The ever so important question of why Why does Rhea Ripley want to do business with Paul Heyman and the Bloodline? I guess you guys are writing the story because WWE doesn't give a shit to tell you. No, but I'm the negative one. Sure thing. Oh, but just be patient, man. It's going to come. Come when? This is not the first time that Rhea Ripley and the Judgment Day have wanted to do business with the Bloodline. Even weeks ago when this happened, they still didn't tell us Why? 
Is the white Jay Uso? Is the white Cody Rhodes? Is the white Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Why? Why do they want to do business with the bloodline? We got a video recap of the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley last week on the Grayson Waller effect. Profits attacked the LWO last week, which made Bobby Lashley very happy. That hunger that he was looking for finally has come out in both Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Rey Mysterio comes out, and we get Rey Mysterio with Santos Escobar and the rest of the LWO against Bobby Lashley with the Street Profits in his corner. This was a clusterfuck. Match wasn't bad. Wasn't the most exciting match that I've ever seen. But it wasn't bad. A little clusterfuck. I was kind of annoyed at the amount of interference in this match, but I guess to tell where they're going into fast lane, I guess we needed a story and a lot of confusion. So this was the write-off, or I should say this was the match that wrote off most of the LWO so that they could introduce a mystery partner at Saturday's pay-per-view at Fastlane. So Lashley backed Mysterio into the corner. Obviously, the size difference makes for a great match because Bobby Lashley could throw around and toss around Rey Mysterio like he's a child in there. Lashley had some elbows, big shoulder block to take Mysterio down. A little bit of miscommunication. It wasn't the uh, most smooth match of the evening. Mysterio ultimately got control, hit a springboard, moonsault, only got a one count. On the big man, Lashley. Lashley was on the outside. Mysterio teased a 619, but held on to the ropes. He went back into the ring. We go to commercial break. Lashley working a bear hug when we get back from commercial. The ever so dreaded bear hug, man. You never see a bear hug spot anymore. It's very old school. Mysterio fought his way out of it. How? I don't know. Lashley cut him off, went right back to the bear hug. Mysterio headbutted his way out of it. Lashley responded with another Irish whip into the corner and a third bear hug. Quite the uh, exhilarating action here in this Bobby Lashley and Rey Mysterio match, man. Three bear hugs. Great. So, again, Mysterio fought out of it and kicked Lashley in the head to escape a third bear hug. Mysterio went to the top. Lashley cut him off. Drake Mysterio from the top turnbuckle. Lashley landed a series of strikes before Lashley ran at Mysterio, and Mysterio ultimately moved. Mysterio went up top, landed a seated senton. Mysterio ran at Lashley. Lashley caught him, and Mysterio turned that into a tornado DDT for a good near fall. Mysterio then uh, went to attack Lashley, but Lashley caught Mysterio and lifted Mysterio off with a vertical suplex. Mysterio got out of it, set up for 619, but Lashley caught Mysterio with a axe handle to land Mysterio on the outside of the ring. So that was a nice spot there. Lashley then threw Santos Escobar around after he threw Mysterio into the barricade. I don't know why he's touching Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar didn't really do anything to uh, Bobby Lashley. So he attacked Santos Escobar. Mysterio tried to splash, but Lashley caught him. Mysterio countered by throwing Lashley into the ring post. We then go back into the ring. Mysterio set up for 619. This time he hit the first part of it. Then the Street Profits start brawling with the LWO on the outside. 
So all of this chaos on the outside and all of this distraction on the outside prevented Rey Mysterio from finishing the 619. You know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm complaining. But you got someone who is of the veteran status in Rey Mysterio, who's the United States champion. He's in the ring with somebody the size of Bobby Lashley, hits his finish, or at least half of his finish, and goes up to do the other half to potentially win this match. You would think Rey Mysterio is a little smarter than that. Fuck is he distracted by bullshit on the outside for that has no bearing on what he does in the ring. He's out there on the apron looking like any of this is going to help him win the match. Completely distracted himself from beating Bobby Lashley. So what happens? The scene stopped Mysterio from following up the 619. When Mysterio finally got back in the ring, Lashley speared him out of nowhere and won the match. One, two, three. So not only do we get a clusterfuck ending that made Rey Mysterio look like a fucking idiot, we get Rey Mysterio, the United States champion, losing a non-title match. Man, oh man, WWE racking up the L's all night long already. We're not even through one hour on SmackDown. Again, I ask, where was this a good show? If you go watch somebody else, if you watch any of these other fucking half-witted geeks in the community, they'll tell you it's a good show. They won't tell you exactly what I told you because that type of shit flies right over their head. Where has this been a good show up until this point? Now, the only part I liked about this, and this is the part I actually liked, this was great because this made sense. After the match was over, the rest of the LWO got beaten down. Three Profits and Bobby Lashley beat the shit out of Joaquin Wilde and Cruz Del Toro. Somebody in creative, somebody on the writing team, had a thought in their head whenever this show was written and told whoever's in charge, Paul, Vince, Bruce, whoever the fuck's running this shit show, some geek and creative actually came up with the idea of, hey, Vince, Triple H, maybe we should write off the rest of the LWO. How about Cruz Del Toro and Joaquin Wild? How about they get written off TV so the LWO has zero excuses to use them at this lane. Wow. You mean to tell me WWE actually wrote off Joaquin Wilde and Cruz Del Toro so that when we get to Saturday, they need to choose a mystery partner and don't have to rely on Cruz Del Toro and Joaquin Wilde because they're injured. Wow. Wow, man. Something that made sense on this show. You gotta be shitting me, man. Wow. Whoever came up with that deserves a fucking raise. Seriously, go buy them a fucking $50 gift card to uh, Applebee's or something, man. Some good shit right there, bro. That's some good shit right there, man. Under the old WWE. Something like that wouldn't have been done. Oh, but uh, the LWO's got two other guys. They could use Cruz Del Toro and Joaquin Wilde as the third guy. 
No, but they wrote them off TV because if they weren't written off TV and WWE chose a Dragon Lee or a Carlito, by default, that would make Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro look weak. But why don't you choose one of those guys? They're a part of the LWO. Well, now you can't because they're fucking injured and they got written off TV. Great. Great. Now we got Rey Mysterio and the sensational Santos Escobar against the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley now with a mystery partner. Who's the mystery partner? It ain't Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee's busy with Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. Who's the mystery partner? He eats an apple, he's got curly hair, and he's from Puerto Rico. That's who the fucking mystery partner is. And he's cool. You heard it here first. Rhea Ripley. She's shown with Paul Heyman in the locker room. What they're talking about, nobody still knows. Heyman appeared to ponder something. Ripley said that Heyman is a wise man and he should make the wise decision. Make the wise decision about what? I'd love to know. What did you talk about? What does Paul Heyman have to make a decision on? She said they're stronger together. And the Judgment Day, together with the bloodline, is unstoppable. Heyman said he liked it. He says he's upset he didn't think of it himself. He said it's good. It's really good. Heyman said if Ripley will excuse him, I have to make a phone call and get it authorized. Now, Rhea Ripley kept saying it is authorized. No, it's not authorized. Rhea Ripley said, yes, it is authorized. I just authorized it. Acknowledge me, Paul. Well, Rhea Ripley clearly doesn't know how this works here. On SmackDown, which this is not your brand, honey. This is Roman Reigns' brand. And and when Roman comes back, he's going to authorize whatever the fuck he wants to. And Paul Heyman cannot authorize jack shit. So Roman Reigns, again, is the key to the storyline. Heyman lifted his phone and Rhea Ripley pushed the phone down. No. No. Ripley questioned the authorization of this. Heyman said Reigns has to sign off on it. Ripley said it has been authorized. Heyman said the only person that can authorize this is Roman Reigns. Ripley told Heyman to acknowledge her. Heyman told her not to say that in this locker room because you don't know where you are, Rhea. Ripley said that Heyman is going to acknowledge her just like Jey Uso did on Raw or they're going to find out who's stronger, the Judgment Day or the Bloodline. Ripley then said that Heyman is authorized to make his phone call. Ripley left. Heyman lifted his phone and he told it to call Roman Reigns. Now, Nobody knows what they talked about. The only thing that we got out of this is that they potentially talked about the Judgment Day and the Bloodline joining forces against who, for what, why, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Now, everything is seemingly going to come together when Roman Reigns gets back. Hopefully that's the case. Because right now, WWE for weeks has turned their wheels and we've gotten nothing without Roman Reigns on TV. We got a boring Jimmy Uso. Is he in the bloodline or is he out of the bloodline? He's acting like he's in the bloodline. Solo and Paul Heyman have kind of given up on getting him out. They're just letting him be. Jimmy's acting like the tribal chief. Jimmy's story is not all that good. Jimmy Uso's story is just not clicking. 
Whereas you got Jay Uso, they moved him to Monday Night Raw. Jay Uso's story on Monday Night Raw is a lot more interesting because the story revolves around him coming from the bloodline and his soiled past haunting him on Monday Night Raw to a point where he wants to try and do good. He wants to be better. He was brought in by Cody Rhodes, who knows a thing or two about the bloodline. But nobody trusts Jay Uso. Nor should they. So that story is infinitely a lot better than what we're getting with Jimmy Uso. Then we got the bloodline. Why are they teaming with the Judgment Day? And vice versa. I don't know. Nobody explained anything here. Nobody. WWE is yet to explain why the Judgment Day want in with the bloodline, why they want to team with the bloodline, why they want to join forces with the bloodline. WWE has not told us anything about who's getting traded for the Jay Uso acquisition. There's still a lot of things that they have to answer. I don't have faith in WWE getting us to those answers because they take their sweet-ass time getting there, and by the time we get there, everything else has happened already. And in this case, it's nothing but a huge fucking mess. AJ Styles and the OC one in on the bloodline. You got LA9 and John Cena who have a problem with the fucking bloodline. Everybody's got a problem with the bloodline. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we going to get a huge fucking four-faction war games match? Like, what are we doing here? I don't know where we're going with this coming out of Fastlane. WWE could do a bunch of different things. Bunch of different things. Going into Fastlane, coming out of Fastlane, going into Saudi, coming out of Saudi, going into Survivor Series in Chicago. There's a lot of possibilities here. Then we have to find out who Roman Reigns is defending the championship against. Clearly, it's not John Cena, as reported by several outlets this afternoon. Now, that could be wrong. That's the type of match that Saudi's paying for over there. So I don't know why WWE wouldn't do that. Maybe WWE does Roman versus AJ Styles. Maybe they do John Cena versus LA Knight. Maybe they do John Cena versus Cody Rhodes. I don't know. Maybe they do a huge multi-man extravaganza in Saudi. Maybe that's what we're leading to. Get everybody in the same match. Mega match. Huge match. Maybe we get the baby faces against the Judgment Day, against the Bloodline. Big 12-man tag. The fuck do I know? Everything's starting to seem very WCW-ish. And again, I'm not really intrigued or enthused about any of it. Why? Because there are so many questions that need answers, and Roman's been off TV since SummerSlam. Pardon me for losing my patience and not giving a shit after so fucking long. That's on WWE for not trying to tell a better story. Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee is now officially on the main roster. Quietly called him up from NXT. Not sure if you guys were aware of that already. He finished up at No Mercy. He was a referee for the Dominic Mysterio and Trick Williams match, where Dominic lost the title only to win it back on Tuesday. And he was the referee for that match. Now he's on SmackDown. He was on SmackDown last week in the crowd. He tried to help the LWO. 
He got pushed around by Austin Theory. This week, he wrestled Austin Theory, and he was saved by Cameron Grimes, who WWE conveniently found television for. Austin Theory versus Dragon Lee, not a bad match. Could see this being a bigger match down the line with some stakes added to it, possibly for a future title somewhere in the future. Two future pieces of the company is Dragon Lee and Austin Theory. We go to commercial break. Theory rolled to the floor. West, uh, Wesley. Dragon Lee. A lot of Lees. Dragon Lee teased a dive, but Grayson Waller comes out. He distracted Dragon Lee. Theory rolled through the ropes, delivered a big dropkick, celebrated with Waller as they go to commercial break. We come back from break. Theory rolled through the ropes again, but Dragon Lee landed a super kick. Both men were doubled down in the ring. Waller was in Theory's corner at this point. Dragon Lee landed a series of strikes, came off the ropes with a big forearm. Dragon Lee then lifted Theory up in the corner and landed a super kick. He then charged in and hit a drop kick. He then made a cover on Austin Theory for two. Dragon Lee ducked a punch. Theory landed an elbow. Theory hit his suplex, made a cover, floated over, two count. Waller said that Lee isn't on Theory's level from the outside. Cheering his boy on. I like the tag team of Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. Theory lifted Lee to his knees and punched away at Dragon Lee. Theory lifted his knee to his feet, but Lee spun into a sit-out powerbomb. Beautifully done. Made the cover there, only got a two-count. Dragon Lee positioned Theory up on the top rope. He climbed to the top. Waller then taunted Dragon Lee and distracted him momentarily. Theory knocked Dragon Lee off the rope. Theory lifted Lee into a face plant and made a cover for a near fall. Two count. Theory was frustrated, lifted Dragon Lee up, took him to the top turnbuckle again. Theory climbed up, set up a superplex. Dragon Lee knocked Theory into the ropes and came off with a double foot stomp. Waller pulled Theory to the outside. Lee over the top rope, took them both down and landed on his feet with a big suicide dive. Lee tossed Theory into the ring. But Waller slammed Lee into the apron behind the referee's back and tossed him into the ring. Theory lifted Lee on his shoulders. Cameron Grimes comes out of nowhere. He appeared, tossed Waller into the ring post. Theory was distracted by Grayson Waller and Cameron Grimes on the outside. From behind, Dragon Lee rolled up Austin Theory for the one, two, three. I like it. I like it. Dragon Lee had a decent match with Dominic Mysterio a couple of weeks ago. Shot up on SmackDown last week in that same week. Got some spotlight this week. Got a match against Austin Theory. Gets his win back. Now he's got a new friend in Cameron Grimes against Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. I like it. You're looking at the future of the company. What is there not to like? Dragon Lee's great. Cameron Grimes deserves an opportunity. He's very good. Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. I like this tag team a lot. I would keep them together for a while. Their cockiness and their bravado and their charisma is great, and it's feeding off of each other. Excellent. Some good shit. This this is some good shit right here. This is this is the one part of the show I actually like. And I said this last week. I'm surprised Cameron Grimes hasn't been fired yet. Seriously, you could look at him and deem him budget cut worthy. Vince would look at the fucking payroll and say, "Who?" Let's get rid of him, pal. It's tough. 
It's tough for WWE to find things for these guys to do, man. I'm glad we've seen Tommaso Ciampa get an opportunity. I'm glad we're getting Johnny Gargano back on television. I'm glad Bronson Reed is getting a little bit more of an opportunity on Monday night. Now we got Cameron Grimes on TV, Dragon Lee, Grayson Waller, Austin Theory. There's a lot to like about the future. Good stuff. Rhea Ripley was in the back talking to Jim Uso. We couldn't hear what was being said. There was a graphic that basically showed the main event between Jimmy and L.A. Knight. Still waiting on what Rhea Ripley and the Bloodline talked about. How am I supposed to hear when there are whisper, whispering to each other? I don't get it. Rey Mysterio was in the back. He was with sensational Santos Escobar and Zelina Vega. Mysterio said that Cruz del Toro and Wild will not be cleared for tomorrow. No shit. No shit, right? Vega asked who their partner would be in the six-man tag tomorrow because the way I see it, it's two against three. Wow, Zelina, you can add. Great. Mysterio said, I got someone. I just need to make a phone call. Mysterio walked off, and Escobar and Vega looked concerned. He's cool. Caribbean cool. He'll be bringing his apple on Saturday night. Don't let, don't let anyone tell you you didn't hear it from me. They showed a graphic of the return of Roman Reigns next week for the season premiere Friday Night SmackDown. It's about fucking time. Next week, they have Pretty Deadly making their return against the Brawling Brutes next week. This is Rich Holland and Butch. Let me at him. Let me at him, Scoob. Reggie. And Michael Cole announced that Triple H will be making a special appearance for the season premiere. Great. Triple H got a show face to show everybody that he's running the show. Which we all know he's not. L.A. Knight. Yeah. He made his entrance. Jim Uso versus L.A. Knight. This went seven minutes. No contest. Nobody won. Why? Because WWE did a very convoluted fuck finish. That's why. Now, there's nothing wrong with WWE building towards Fastlane, building towards Saudi, building towards Survivor Series and War Games, but there's so much going on, I don't know which direction it's going in. And none of it is terribly exciting either. The baby faces standing tall here at the end. Cody Rhodes, LA Knight, and John Cena along with Jay Uso. The baby faces are standing tall here. It's, it's happening at Fastlane where Cody and Jay are battling the Judgment Day. They got the best of the Judgment Day tonight. Makes me wonder if Fastlane will be the heels going over because the babyface has got the best of the heels tonight. I can't see the heels going into Fastlane and losing, but I could see the babyfaces kind of fighting from behind and winning the war in war games. To end all this. So right now it looks like it's going to be the heels going over and it's going to be very heel heavy here. 
Now, with the match, the match really didn't mean much of anything because it was the ending that people really cared for. So Jimmy and and LA Knight, they started yelling at each other to start the match. They locked up. Uso got the best of Knight here. Knight worked a side headlock. Uso kicked Knight. He worked a side headlock of his own. Uso hits a shoulder block, took LA Knight down. He came back with a back elbow. Knight then hit a power slam for a two count. So both guys go for their finishers. But both missed attempts of their finish. So both go to the outside. Knight drop kicked Jimmy and threw Uso back into the ring. Uso landed a spinning kick. And we go back to the outside. Uso on the outside hits a super kick and we go to commercial break. LA Knight slammed Uso on his knees after a sunset flip. L.A. Knight hit a Russian leg sweep and a DDT before stomping on Jimmy repeatedly. L.A. Knight then landed a running knee for a two count. L.A. Knight then lifted Uso, but Uso got out of it. So L.A. Knight caught him with a power slam. He then hits his jumping elbow. Yeah. But Solo Sokoa enters the ring as if he doesn't give a shit about what's going on whatsoever. And the match abruptly ended. John Cena's music hits. Cena threw Sokoa out of the ring. Judgment Day's music hit. The entire faction walked to the ring. Outside the ring, Rhea Ripley and Heyman shook hands, and Heyman yelled, authorized. I guess Roman Reigns authorized this. The two factions surrounded the ring, with Knight and Cena standing in the ring by themselves. They were massively outnumbered. Jay Uso's music hit. And out came Jay to help even things out. Cody's music then hit. And Cody came out to do the same. The crowd was very excited about this because they got to do, whoa, on Friday night. Heyman grabbed Solo and the rest of everybody else brawled. Sokoa and Cena eventually squared off in the ring face to face. Cena got the best of it, but Sokoa came back and then Knight entered the ring and clotheslined Sokoa to the outside. J.D. McDonough, poor J.D. McDonough entered the ring and all of the baby faces worked him with their finish. Cena got all his spots in. Cody threw his weight belt into the crowd, hit crossroads, and L.A. Knight hit blunt force trauma. As Cena hit the F5, they all got their finish. Baby faces stood tall, Cody's music hits, and John Cena does the, whoa! Now SmackDown goes off the air. Great. So Roman Reigns authorized this. It's nice to know. Roman Reigns authorized this. He gave Paul Heyman the authorization to go ahead with the bloodline and Judgment Day working together. Clearly, they feel like Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso are infiltrating his island of relevancy. That's what this is about. Like John Cena and L.A. Knight, these are short-term problems. These are short-term problems that Roman Reigns is going to dispatch of and the bloodline is going to dispatch of. Whether Roman has AJ Styles, John Cena, LA Knight, he's going to get rid of all of them. The only thing that matters here is Jey Uso and his story and then Cody Rhodes. So clearly, from my vantage point, Roman Reigns wants all the help he can get to get rid of and at least try and stop Cody from entering the fourth, fifth, sixth 
seventh, eighth, and ninth innings here because we're only in the bottom of the third inning. Cody says we're not in the bottom of the third inning anymore, not even close. Cody's here to finish his story. All of this is going to end with Cody. But I need to hear from Roman. I need to hear from Roman next week why he's been out, where he's been, how he feels about Jimmy. They got a lot of work to do next week. Why he's been out, where he's been, how he feels about Jimmy, how he feels about the bloodline in his absence, how he feels about Jey Uso, how he feels about Cody, and why he authorized the Judgment Day to work alongside the bloodline in his absence. So Roman's at home, man. I'm going to need Roman to show up next week on SmackDown in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma! Gonna need Roman to show up in Tulsa, and I'm gonna need Roman to show up with a nice sheet of loose leaf paper with bullet points on all of these different things. We need some explanation. That's all I'll say. Other than that, another ho hum, uninspired, uncharismatic, unexciting, bland unstimulating episode of Friday Night Smackdown. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the post-show. Appreciate you. We got some extra going up tomorrow, man. We're going to talk about CM Punk. A lot of people asking my opinion on this CM Punk story, man. Apparently, there are sources close to CM Punk that he will be at Survivor Series. Cody Rhodes. Poor Cody, man. He left AEW to get away from Punk, and now Punk's going to join him in WWE, man. Maybe Punk gets his main event at WrestleMania after all. Who knows? Who knows? Corey Graves with that, uh, that line on SmackDown tonight. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the world forget that he existed. They're certainly teasing something. And it ain't Nakamura Rollins. I'll tell you that right now. There's some fuel to that fire. There's some smoke to that fire, man. We may be getting Punk versus Seth at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content with more coming tomorrow. We got an extra tomorrow. We got some content on the second channel tomorrow. Go hit that subscribe button for the second channel. Link is in the description. And I'll be live after Fastlane tomorrow night, man. Shout out to my guy, Dr. Evil Genius. And his lady, Mrs. Evil. They drove six hours. Upstate New York. And she's running a huge, and I mean huge, marathon. So I wish her nothing but the best, and I wish them uh, safety on their journeys. Going and coming. Home. Tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew, guys. Go get your free sample of Blue Chew, bluechew.com, code JD at checkout. 
sign up. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Very easy. You guys know Blue Chew, man. It is your pen and paper to long-term booking. Let's get into the Super Chat so I can get the fuck out of here, man, and jump back on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Beyond the script with the $4.99. JD, I wonder, was the biting of the ear during the women's tag match a Pepsi Phil callback clue? Hope you're well, bro. OTS for life. No. I don't know where you heard that from, Beyond the Script. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat. Team Cody was outnumbered. Yet still stood tall, Sammy K.O. to even the team. Or maybe Punk. Nobody helped McDonough tonight. Could that factor into anything? What are they going to do? He's not one of them yet. He's got to prove his loyalty. Cake with the new membership. Thank you, brother. Why is it saying that you have a gold microphone, but you're a new member? I know you're not a new member. I know Cake is not a new member. Tay-Tay with 14 months. WWE's doing everything they can to stack up NXT next week. They got Asuka, Cena, Heyman, Cody, Brutes, Becky, Judgment Day, and The Undertaker. Might as well just call it Monday Night Raw. Pathetic. Main Event 81 with the $2 Super Chat. YouTube, have me as a non-sub. I can't say anything. I can't help you there, brother. Can't help you there, man. YouTube's lack of consistency is out of my hands. Tony Brown with a 199. Bailey's still worth a super chat. Perfect onion. Onion, peach, whatever you want to call it, Tony Brown. It's nice. Edward Liu with a 999. JD, tell me, what the hell is NXT? A developmental brand? Uh, the way that I see it right now, Edward, no. No. A third main roster brand? Certainly feels more like that than a developmental brand. A ratings ploy? Absolutely. Now with Taker in NXT, I'm so put off with all this, and I'm only watching Dynamite next Tuesday. Good on you. That's what I'll be watching. WWE's moved so far away from it being developmental, it's ridiculous. And no, it's not a one-off. They do this every week. Just not to this level. How can it be developmental when you got Brawling Brutes, Judgment Day, Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch, Dominic Mysterio, AJ Styles, and all these other fucking people down there? It's not developmental anymore at that point, man. It's a brand that lost all of its identity and integrity. That's why I don't care for it on a weekly basis anymore. The old NXT didn't need to do that. The old NXT competed against the main roster, and they didn't need all the smoke and mirrors to do it. They didn't need the smoke and mirrors to compete against AEW when they went head-to-head on Wednesday. Sad. Sad scenes, sad days for WWE, man. Tell me that you're threatened by the Pissant T-Shirt Company without telling me you're threatened by the Pissant T-Shirt Company. 
Uh, no, and no, it's not because of Edge making his in-ring debut. No, it's not that. Riddick's Classic Arcade with 35 months. I've been AWOL in the chat recently, but I'm still watching, brother. Undertaker and NXT? Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a lot of people's feelings, Riddick. Main event with a $2 super chat. Will someone help? I would like to be in the chat. Why I'm stuck on sub-only mode? Because of VKM. I don't know what to tell you, brother. Jason Barker. $5 super chat. I got blocked by Stokely Hathaway last night by calling him out for not listening to your praise of him. You wanting him on Wednesday. Brother, listen. Stokely didn't say anything about me. Stokely actually reached into my DMs and apologized because he kind of maybe realized that I was getting a bunch of unnecessary garbage come my way, and he didn't realize what was being said after he tweeted something that was in good humor or an inside joke between AEW, Tony Khan, and Stokely Hathaway in regards to Burger King. It had nothing to do with me. Stokely didn't retweet that because he dislikes me or he has a problem with me or he wanted to start a problem with me. So whatever you said to Stokely, you must have pissed him off so much that he blocked you and it had absolutely nothing to do with me. I'm sorry to hear that, Jason. Stokely's good people. Stokely did not mean anything by it. And I apologize back to him because I made light of it, man, because everybody wants to think that I'm on Tony Khan's payroll and the tweets were Tony Khan's likes on Twitter and he liked two or three of my tweets from Wednesday, which is not out of the ordinary. This is not the first time Tony Khan has liked tweets from my account. There's nothing wrong with that. Dynamite was a great show. Tony Khan writes and produces Dynamite. He's happy to see positive feedback in regards to Dynamite. There's nothing wrong with Tony Khan liking my tweets. Nothing. No matter how many geeks online find it to be a problem. I've seen a lot of jealous assholes on social media. I'm sorry that Vince McMahon or Triple H or nobody in WWE is liking your tweets. I'm not in communication with Tony Khan. Have I spoken to Tony Khan? Sure I have. Is he in my phone? Do I text him back and forth? Do I go over creative? Do I give him advice? Does he ask me for advice? No. Why would he? I don't work there. Everybody wants to think I work there. I don't work there. I'd like to work for a wrestling promotion. I think I'm good enough to work for a pro wrestling promotion. I think I can add a lot. But the fact that people got so up in arms and there was an uproar about Tony Khan liking JD's tweets. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And I don't really see what the big fucking problem is. And Stokely did not want to bring any negativity my way. That was not his point. It was an inside joke from Burger King.
The Undertaker with a $2 Super Chat. See you next week, boys. Hashtag OTS for life. Yeah, man. Thank you, Undertaker. Phil with a $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? SmackDown was okay tonight. I don't get what WWE sees in Charlotte other than her last name because she sucks. Also, it's my birthday tonight. Phil. Happy birthday, brother. $4.99 from Vinny. With War Games teased tonight. And only having four guys on one side. Gotta mean Punk or Randy. I'm guessing Punk in Chicago might be too obvious. I don't know what we're doing, man. I don't know what we're doing here, brother. Sue with a $5 super chat. JD, who has the biggest balls in the Judgment Day? It sure isn't any of the guys. The only best show is OTS. Thank God for the show, and you drink up. Thank you, Sue. Thank you very much, Sue. Hope all is well. Eddie Russell with a $5 super chat. What's good, JD? My first super chat. I know what I'm watching on Tuesday. White versus Hangman, and what I'm drinking as well. Take care, JD. Thank you, Eddie. Should be a banger match, man. Don't forget that Brian Danielson and Swerve Strickland match. Lots of like there. Jay and Joe's World with a 199. Do you think Punk will return to WWE and when? I do. I do think he returns to WWE. I think if it's not Survivor Series, it is the Royal Rumble. Will Chisholm with a $10 Super Chat. JD, if Punk is coming in, who would you make his first program with? All the Punk teases have been with Seth Rollins. It could be nothing or something. Well, there you go. Seth Rollins. But then what do you do with Gunther at WrestleMania? You probably go Gunther Lesnar at that point. Average skilled gamer with 14-month membership. Thank you, brother. How's MW3? All I'll say is I hated Modern Warfare 2 maps, and these maps are a lot less fun. And they still play just as awful as the old maps did. But I think Sledgehammer fixed Battle Rage, which is a a, a perk or something in the game that gives you extra health and speed and health regeneration. Man, that shit was fucking broken as fuck, man. You'll be hit markering people for fucking days with an ACR, man. Nine, ten bullets, nobody dies, yet you die in fucking the blink of an eye. And AJ with a 499, what's up, JD? If CM Punk comes back, man, he's going to shit all over AEW. WWE needs to do Roman versus Cena, Crown Jewel, and AJ versus Roman at Survivor Series. Whatever they do, man, you know, I I, I don't care. I, I really, I, I'm just, I don't care. Roman, AJ, Roman, Cena, we've seen it all. We've seen it all. The title reign, don't talk to me about the title reign until WrestleMania because nothing is going to happen. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. I really, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight, man. Smackdown in the books tomorrow. Extra. Tomorrow night, Fastlane. Live from the OTS venue, as always, man. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go and check out all the other content on the channel. 
Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And thank you guys for the super chats tonight. See you guys tomorrow, man. Enjoy your uh, Friday nights. Enjoy your weekends. I'll see you tomorrow for Extra. Tomorrow night for Fast Lane. And until then, take care. I'm going to leave you with the beautiful melodic tones of Andy James right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.